Wednesday night's Bible study. I'm going to go ahead and record now while I'm here at work so I can get on the road and get home. But uh, we're not going to have service in the physical building tonight, so everything's by live stream. So uh, tonight, just jump in with me. If you can't watch live now, that's okay. It'll be recorded and you watch online a little later during our normal time at 7 o'clock. But Philippians chapter 3 is where we'll be. Philippians chapter 3. We've been studying through the book of Philippians last a little while on Tuesday nights, and last week we started at the beginning of chapter 3, and Paul warned us, boy, not to have confidence in the flesh, and he, he warned us of some to beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of those of the concision, and, and we explained all that, and we got to watch out. There's not everybody that calls them a Christian. Everybody that shows up uh, doesn't have the best intention, Some, uh, uh, and we called them evil workers, and he called them them that are basing everything off works and so forth. And so tonight, as we get in, Paul's going to go a little further talking about that we can't rely on the flesh. We can't rely on anything works-wise to save us. And so we'll see that as we continue. So let me just ask you this question to get started tonight. If I were to ask you if you were, if you died today, if you knew that you'd go to heaven for sure, you've heard that question before. But let me ask you, what would your question be? And uh, I know a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, you know, so I've heard some people tell me, you know, you can't be sure that you're going to heaven. And I hope I'm going to make it. And I guess I'll find out when I die. Well, let me tell you, uh, there's probably some listening tonight that believe that. I want to encourage you tonight. That while it may seem logical to you to realize that maybe you don't think you can be sure, it's not scriptural. Because the word of God says, and here's some great news. First John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life. Hey, we can know that we have eternal life because you've believed on the name of the Son of God. And I'm glad it doesn't say, listen, I, I hope I'm going to get to heaven. It doesn't say, listen, I hope I can have eternal life. Uh, if I try hard enough and I do right, maybe I'll make it. No, it says you can know that you have eternal life. And we have his word that tells us that. And, and not only does his word tell us that, it tells us uh, really how we obtain it. It's nothing we've done. We're going to see that tonight. It's all about the finished work of Jesus Christ. And we can know, we can know that we have eternal life. And, and so when I ask that question, you know, and sometimes people would say, no, I can't know. Other times people would say, well, yeah, I, I'm going to heaven. And I, I'd usually go a little further. Well, well, how do you know you're going to heaven? And many times the answer is simply this, well, I know I'm going because I'm a good person or because I maybe I obey the golden rule or the Ten Commandments or because I go to church or because I'm a church member because I've been maybe baptized or I have some because I, I sing in the choir or my dad's a deacon or a preacher or a Sunday school teacher or maybe because I, I can speak in tongues. I, I've been confirmed. I partake in mass. I've gotten all kinds of answers. I've even had some said, listen, because I had a dream or, or I had a vision and I saw, listen, if you're relying on any of those things or any other work you've done to get to heaven, you won't get there. There's only one way to heaven tonight, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He didn't say by being a good person. He didn't say by keeping the golden rule. He didn't say by being in a, born into the right family or, or going to church or being baptized in water or he didn't say by speaking in tongues or being a pastor's kid or, or being a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or seeing a vision or singing in a choir or being confirmed, sprinkled, tinkled, dunk or sunk. The list could go on and on. He didn't say any of that. He said, I'm the way, not a way, the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father 
but by me. Now, I say all that tonight because it's truth, but I also say it because that's exactly what Paul is addressing in our text tonight. Uh, he's dealing with an attitude about works, and he's going to show them, listen, uh, they have nothing to glory in. In fact, if anybody ever did, it would be Paul. And he's going to list uh, some of his, he's going to describe some of his credentials or, or some of his accomplishments that he's, that's happened in life. And at the end of the day, Paul tells him, listen, all that stuff that I've done, all the religious work in the world, works in the world that's been done, couldn't make him righteous before God. And it won't make you and I righteous before God. In fact, he goes, it's all but dung compared to the knowledge of Christ. So may I submit to you tonight as we begin our Bible study, simply this. If you want to be saved, if you want to be righteous before God, true righteousness doesn't come from any work you can do. True righteousness only comes through Jesus Christ. So what's your source of righteousness? Uh, and let's look at that tonight. And that's what Paul's going to demonstrate in our text. Philippians chapter number three, if you're not there already. And we'll pick up our reading in verse three to get context from last week and continue. The Bible says, for we are the circumcision, Paul writes, which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And last week we talked about, listen, it wasn't the physical circumcision, it was circumcision of the heart that made them right with God. And, and uh, they didn't worship, you gotta worship God in the spirit, not in the flesh, he, he's telling us. And so, so he says, never have any confidence, have no confidence in the flesh. Now he goes on in verse four and listen to what he says. He says, though I might have, or that I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinketh he hath more or hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Paul's saying, listen, uh, I, I might have trusted in my flesh. I might've had confidence in the things I've done in order to be righteous or to be saved. But, but listen, other people might too, but listen, if you think you do, I guarantee you, I have more of the reason to believe it. And he goes on to list why. Listen to what he says about himself. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee, he says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless, he says. But what things were gained to me, he said, those I count it lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith or through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. Tonight, here's my question. I want to ask you, what is your source of righteousness? And let me just tell you right off the bat, it's nothing you've done. True righteousness before Christ can only come from Christ. Can we encourage you tonight? Get rid of any reliance on the flesh and let's trust in Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we thank you again for your word tonight. Thank you as we're going to look here. Paul gave an illustration from his life saying, listen, if anybody could ever count or rely on the flesh or rely on the works that they've done, Lord, or rely on the religious things they've done, it would have been Paul. But Paul said, listen, everything he's done, it, listen, compared to the righteousness that can only come from Christ, it's done. So Lord, help us tonight, help our friends tonight. They're going to be listening. They're maybe relying on some type of work or some type of 
thing they've done in the past to get them to heaven or to try to be righteous before God or right before God to realize that true righteousness only comes through Christ. Help us see that truth tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we go on, listen to me tonight. Here's what I want you to, if you're taking notes, write this down. Righteousness does not come from the following things. Number one, it can't come from a reliance in the flesh. It can't come from the flesh. He says in verse five, look with me. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, the Hebrews is touching the law and a Pharisee. And uh, he said before that in verse four, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man think that he hath, uh, hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I the more. Paul says, I, listen, I could trust in the flesh. And though I might have confidence in it, and though some other man might, I, I could even trust in it the more. And, and he says, anybody could be righteous by their way of living and by their own flesh, it would be me. And he reminds us and, and uh, of what he did. He goes on and says that and how others viewed him. But, but at the end of the day, he says, it's all but done compared to Christ. And what a list he had to brag on. Look, look what he says. He, he, he could have taken pride in his ritual, but he realized, listen, that won't save him. What do I mean by pride and ritual? Look what it says in verse five. The Bible says, circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Circumcise the eighth day. Listen, every loyal Jew uh, practiced that right of circumcision on the eighth day of their life. And so Paul tells them, listen, he had been obedient. He had, he had also observed that right and the ritual of being circumcised. Surely that would save him and make him righteous, right? If he if he followed the law and, and was circumcised. But Paul says, no, it was but dumb. That word done literally means this. It means worthless. It means uh, detestable. It's used as you would know, but as an animal excrement. And so Paul says, compared to the saving knowledge that only comes from a personal relationship and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, even that work of his circumcision, that was nothing but dung. That's what he's saying. Worthless, worthless. That's what our works are. He, he isn't saying circumcision was bad. That isn't what he's saying. And he's not even a bad thing to do. In fact, he was supposed to do it as an obedient Jew uh, and obedience to God. But what he's saying is keeping that ordinance or that right of circumcision did not save him and did not make him righteous. Can I tell you today, we're living in a day where we, sir, we don't think about circumcision that much in our Gentile world, but we've, we've got some things that have replaced it. Uh, one of the biggest things that's replaced it today is water baptism. Listen, there's there's scores of good people out there and different denominations out there that that believe you must be baptized in water to be saved. Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, uh, is that true? Do you have to be saved? Did Paul say, listen, you must be uh, uh, when he was asked by the Ethiopian or, or I'm sorry, when he was asked by the Philippian jailer, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He didn't say, hey, be baptized. He said, listen, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so so listen, sometimes you get asked, I have to be baptized to be saved. And, and it creates some confusion. Can I take it just a moment tonight to help you with some confusion? Here's the answer to that. Do I need to be baptized to be saved? The answer is yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. What do I mean by that? Well, the confusion's caused many times in scripture. And the way, way the reason many believe you have to be water baptized is because they confuse water baptism with spirit baptism. When you get into the word of God, many people do this. And uh, Jesus and, and John both make their, sure there's a clear distinction between them. And John said this, Mark 1, 8, he said, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. See, there's a difference there. Water baptism versus baptism of the spirit or the Holy Ghost. Over in Acts chapter one and 
verses four and five, Jesus said, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but he shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And so here's what he's saying. Listen, there's a distinction made in scripture. There is a water baptism and there is a spirit baptism. And so many times we read every verse like it's water baptism and it leads us to bad doctrine. It leads us to basically believing we have to do some type of work like water baptism to be saved when the, that's the farthest thing from the truth. And add the confusion to that is one of the things I encourage our folks to do all the time. Hey, when it looks confusing, hey, time to get the concordance out, find out what word it came from, define it and all that stuff. Stuff, but here's the problem. You, you go do that and you're going to find the, the Greek same word is used for both water baptism and spirit baptism. So here's the problem. How do I tell them, preacher? How do I figure this out? How do I know when I'm reading a passage if it's talking about water baptism or if it's talking about spirit baptism? Well, let me help you tonight. Uh, number one, write this down. If it's talking about a man doing it, then it's talking about water baptism. If a man's baptizing you, then it's got to be water, right? <laughs> if it's talking about God doing it, guess what? Then it's spirit baptism. That's pretty simple, right? So ask who's doing the baptizing. That's the question. Ask yourself when you're reading context, who's doing the baptizing? Is a man doing it? Then it's got to be in water. If God doing it or the Holy Spirit doing it, then it's got to be spirit baptism. Second, ask yourself this when I'm reading the context. Is there even, even water in the context of the scripture? If it's not, it's good likelihood that it's spirit baptism, not water baptism. Third, let me ask you this. When you're reading the text, and here's a key, this is one of the key giveaways, is does the result of that baptism end up placing somebody in Christ or in the body of Christ? If it does, you know right away, that's referring to spirit baptism. Because listen, only the Holy Spirit of God can, can save a person and place them in the body of Christ. A man cannot do that. No man can save anybody. No man can place you into the body of Christ. And so, so answer the age old question here. Does, does a person need to be baptized to be saved? The answer is yes and no. Yes, they must be baptized by the Holy Spirit of God and placed into, into Christ. But the answer for water baptism is no. It doesn't save you. It doesn't make you righteous. It's something you do after you're saved. It's something you, that, that you do in obedience to Christ. It's an outward work that, that pictures the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ that shows the inward belief and faith you've already placed in Christ. And so baptism, water baptism doesn't save you, but baptism of the Spirit, listen, that happens the moment you trust Christ. You get regenerated, placed into the body of Christ, baptized by the body or by the Holy Spirit of God into the body of Christ. And then the moment you trust Christ, the moment you repent, change your mind, believe that Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again. Scripture says that the Spirit puts you into Christ. Listen to, listen to the verses that talk about this baptism. Spirit baptism, Galatians 3.27, for as many of you has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. What baptism are we talking about there? First of all, there's no water in the text. Second of all, who's doing it? The Holy Spirit's doing it. And where is it? what's the result? It's putting you into Christ. No man can do that. That's not water baptism. So he's talking about when you got saved, the spirit baptism, when the Holy Spirit baptized you. How about 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13? The Bible says there, for by one spirit, are we all baptized into one body? Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we bond or free, or and have all been made to drink of one spirit. He tells us exactly, again, back to our context, who's doing the baptizing? Here in this case, for by one spirit are, are we all baptized. 
What's the result of it? We're put into one body. And he tells us we all become one and we're made to drink into one spirit. And so, so the Bible is clearly referring to here that the spirit's doing the baptism and it's being placed in the body as a result. So this is spirit baptism. This you must do to be saved. And here's the great part. You don't even do it. When you trust Christ, when you change your mind and put your full weight and trust and confidence in the fact that he died for you, was buried for you, rose again for you. At that moment, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. That's spirit baptism. You must have that to be saved. It's not a work. God does it. But with water baptism is a work. That's something you do after the faith, after the fact. And uh, so, so how do I know the difference? Well, that's how you know the difference. I hope that helps somebody tonight. And so, so listen, Paul's saying here, there's no works that can save you. He said circumcision couldn't do it. And our modern day thing that's replaced circumcision in the, in our church today, sometimes is a water baptism. Neither one of those can get you uh, to heaven. Listen, it's only trust in Christ. So pride and ritual, Pride in doing the rituals won't save you is what he's saying. Hey, he was circumcised. He said, but that didn't get me there. That didn't make me righteous. Paul could have taken pride in his ritual and uh, rituals in the circumcision, but he knew rituals wouldn't save him. And by the way, no ritual or no work will save you either. But go on with me. Verse five, he goes on and he says, not only could he have taken pride in the ritual of circumcision here, but he could have took, taken pride in the, in the relationship of the family he came from, his his lineage, that could have done it. He says this, and he goes on to say, I am of the stock of Israel. I am of the stock of Israel. And so he said, circumcised the eighth day in verse five, the, of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of the Hebrews is touching the law of Pharisee. He says, boy, I'm straight. I have a special relationship with God because I'm, I was born into uh, the, the nation of Israel. I was born a Jew, listen, of the stock of Israel. And, and that's God's chosen people and God's special people. And, and so surely that would save me, right? I'm from the right family is what he's saying. And so, uh, of course, you know where that name Israel came from, right? That's the name God gave Jacob the night that he wrestled with the Lord. And, changed, and the Lord changed his name forever from Jacob to Israel. Now, all those descendants of Jacob are called Israelites, and that would include Paul himself. In fact, Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin, he says here. Uh, he, couldn't, he could not only uh, call himself an Israelite, he could actually trace his family tree. It's interesting, not all Jews could do that because the records, many of them were lost during the Babylonian captivity, but Paul belonged to the, the elite of Israel, if you would. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, if you remember Benjamin, Benjamin was the, uh, the only son outside of Joseph, of course, that was born to Jacob uh, and Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel. That's the all, uh, Jacob and Rachel had Benjamin and Joseph together. And so only those two. And so he was the only brother that didn't sell his brother out in slavery. If you remember the story with Joseph and so forth. And, and in fact, the allotment of the promised land that was given to the tribe of Benjamin included, guess what? Jerusalem, the place of the temple. So when the kingdoms divided, it was the tribe of Benjamin that stayed faithful to the, the, the Davidic line and stayed there by the temple. Uh, and it was, it was Judah that went off. And so historically, it was the tribe of Benjamin. It was considered um, the well-favored family group within Israel, if you want to look at it that way. In other words, Paul belonged. Here's what he's saying. He belonged to the highest aristocracy of Israel. He belonged to the who's who. He was in the book of the who's who of Israel is maybe a way to look at it. In other words, here's what he's saying. He's reminding, uh, listen, uh, everybody that was believing and you could be saved by works or by being from the right family that, listen, 
His family tree was as pure as it could come. He was of the most high and respected lineage of Israel. But guess what? His bloodline could not save him. Even though he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, he said, in comparison, listen, to, an ex to a personal experiential relationship with Jesus Christ, his pure bloodline was nothing but done. That's what he's saying. His family tree couldn't save him or make him righteous. Can I tell you the same is true today? Listen, your bloodline, your family, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, and listen, I don't, know, I don't care how wonderful of a Christian they are, they are, were maybe, they can't save you. Listen, just because I'm a, I'm a called gospel preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that's not going to save my boys. My family's not going to be saved because of that. They make their own choice. And uh, just because your granddad was a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or a preacher or your grandmother was a founding member of some church or whatever, it's amazing how many times we, we say stuff like that. And I hear people say stuff like, well, I'm going to heaven. My grandmother helped start that church. That don't have a, listen, that don't matter a, a ball and high weeds or however you say that saying to get you to heaven. Listen, none None of that is going to save you. In fact, here's what here's what the Bible says. But as many as received him to them, he gave power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of will the flesh, nor of will the man, but of God. See, see, the only way you can be saved and made righteous isn't because of your bloodline or your family bloodline. It's by, by being born again of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, flesh won't save you. You got to be born again by the spirit of God. That's why Jesus said, John 3, 3, you must be born again. John 3, 6, he said, that which is born of the flesh and that which is, is flesh, he said. Listen, that's not going to save you. But that which is born of the spirit, praise God, is spirit. And he said in First Peter, Peter wrote this, 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Listen, Paul could have took, uh, took pride in his, in his rituals. He could have took pride in his relationships. Boy, he was born to the best of the best as far as the families go. But neither one of them would save him. And can I tell you, None of that will save you either tonight. And so Paul could have took, taken pride in rituals and relationships. And can I tell you this? He could have also taken pride in religion. He could have took pride in religion. He says in verse 5, it's touching the law, a Pharisee. Paul was a Pharisee. Now, out of all of Judaism, it said there were normally not more than 6,000 Pharisees is what I've read. Uh, and so that name Pharisees, here's what it means. It literally means a separated one. They separated themselves from, from all common life in order to try to keep every detail of the law. They had very high morals. In fact, even Jesus commended them on this fact, at least. He said this, when it came to practical living and practical righteousness, they were the standard, humanly speaking. He said in Matthew 5 and verse 20, he said, for I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so, so while the Pharisees, listen, they were sincere in their religious convictions, they were sincerely wrong. Here's why, because their standard of righteousness was always based on man. But God's standard of righteousness is based on God. Listen, don't ever look at somebody else, compare yourself, well, if they're going to heaven, I, I should surely go because I'm a better person. Listen, it doesn't matter how good of a person you are and how bad of a person they are. The only way things going to get you to heaven is trusting in Christ and Christ alone and, and being saved and born again by the grace of God. It's not your righteousness that'll do it. It's not your religiosity that'll do it. And, and that's what Paul's saying. First uh, Samuel 6, 16, verse 7 says this, man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon 
the heart. See, these Pharisees, and Paul says, I was of the Pharisee, I was a Pharisee. These Pharisees had all the outside stuff right. Uh, all the, I mean, they looked apart, the they dressed apart, the all that stuff. They tried to keep the law. They, they, they did all the religious stuff. And, and, but listen, God knew their heart. That's what it's saying. Now, be careful here. Don't misinterpret that verse. And sometimes I hear people use this verse completely out of context on the other side of it, too. It says, man looketh on the outward appearance, but Lord looketh on the heart. And we always hear people say, well, see, God just looks on the heart. So it really doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. That isn't what that verse says. You better study your Bible a little more closely. Here's what he's saying. God's saying that the, he's not saying that the outward's not important. Here's what he's saying. He said, he's saying only the only thing, in fact, in this world that man can see is the outside. So the outside is important because we want to live right and do right in front of men. We want to we want to be a light for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let them see something different about us. And so so the outside is important. That's what he's saying. But here's what he's saying. If you rely on what you do on the outside to get you to heaven, that won't do it. That is not going to get you righteous because true righteousness comes from God and God can see the heart. Hey, he can look past everything we say on the outside and he can see the real character of the heart. And he's saying he's not saying neither one's that, that one's more important than the other in the sense of the, the outside's not important. Here's what he's saying. Both are important, but only one can save you and only one can make your heart righteous. And that's that's the heart, having the heart right. And the Lord's only one can see that man can't see it. Can I tell you, you can have all the standards in the world. You can dress right. You can live right. Uh, you can do all the right things, say all the right things. Hey, you can walk the walk. You can talk the talk. But it, underneath that uniform and underneath that Sunday morning church face, if there's a wicked heart in there that's never trusted in the Lord, never had to, uh, had to, your sins cast upon his body on that tree and received his righteousness, then God knows it and he sees it even when men can't. True righteousness does not come from religion. It comes from a pure relationship with Jesus Christ that changes that heart. And so if you're relying on religion, if you're relying on being religious, if you're relying on, on keeping a list of do's or don'ts or, and all that for your salvation, listen, I'm telling you, you need to trust in Christ and Christ alone because all your righteousness is like a filthy rag compared to the Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit of God and compared to a holy God. And so uh, those are things, listen, not bad things. Those are things we do because we're saved, not to be saved. And so Paul says, listen, all my religion, even being a Pharisee, compared to the knowledge of Christ, that's dumb. Paul could have taken, um, could have taken pride in his rituals. He could have taken pride in his relationships. He could have taken pride in his religiosity, for lack of a better word. He also could have taken pride in his own self-righteousness. Look what he says in verse 6 with me. The Bible says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, even blameless, he says. And so Paul carried the righteousness of the law as far as a human man could ever do it. That's what it's saying. That, that word blameless means free from fault or defect. Unrebukable is the idea. And so Paul claims, listen, there was no demand of the law that, that he didn't try and work his best to fulfill. And he reminded them, the, listen, that, that, that the Judaizers, that even though they fulfilled, tried to feel, fulfill the demands of the law uh, and were as righteous as anybody could maybe humanly be, that is still not enough. Uh, compared to a holy God, they still feel short. Here's what I'm trying to say to you tonight by application. Listen, you can live a good moral life. It won't get you there. You can give all your money to charities. It's not going to get you to heaven. You can volunteer all your time. It won't get you to heaven. You can live with the utmost integrity, and you should do all these things. Don't get me wrong. 
You could help others every chance you get, but I'm telling you, it will not get you to heaven. As one of my preacher friends said one time, you may you may not kill, steal, drink or chew or run with women to do. But I want to tell you what, listen, it doesn't matter how good of a life you live. Uh, your human righteousness is not enough. It's not enough. And in fact, Romans 3.10 says there's none righteous. No, not one. Isaiah says, but all the, we're all as the unclean thing. All our righteousness is a filthy rag. And uh, Isaiah said, Isaiah 53.6, he said this, all we are like sheep that have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord and laid on him the iniquity of us all. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's every one of us. And, and so listen, all of our righteousness falls short. Paul's telling us that tonight. Paul could have taken pride in his rituals. In his relationships with man, the family relationship, the lineage he was from. He could have taken um, pride in his religiosity. He was a Pharisee. I mean, he was a he was the the separated one. He he could have taken pride in his own self-righteousness. He tried to fulfill the law. But listen, righteousness does not come from a reliance on the flesh. Can I tell you what it comes from? It comes from reliance in Christ. Read with me verse 7, what he says here. He says, But what things were gained to me. Those I count it lost for Christ. Yea, Dallas, I count all things, but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and have found in him, not having my own righteousness, he says, which is of the law, but that which is the, through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. And so listen, he says, listen, righteousness does not come from a reliance in the flesh. Righteousness comes from a reliance and a relationship with Christ. He says, what things were gained to me, I count it loss. And Paul certainly seemed to have it all going on. But you know what? He realized one day on the Damascus road and uh, something terrible was missing in his life. And he had, he, had to, he had to rid his heart of all those prideful accomplishments that were, that were gained to him in his life because it almost cost him his eternal life. He came to the end of himself and he realized and he discovered that all the things he'd been relying on for eternal life, they, listen, they couldn't provide it. They were, they were just dunk. They were, they were useless when it came to trying to provide eternal life into somebody. But when he cried out upon the Lord on that Damascus road, hey, it was at that moment he quit trusting in all his religious acts. He, he quit trusting all his works and all his family relationship. At that moment, he trusted Christ and Christ alone got saved by the grace of God and got born into the family. The righteousness of Christ was applied upon him. And now, listen, he can have a reliance on Christ. That, that is what your righteousness comes from instead of himself. You say, preacher, why are you saying all this tonight? Because listen, there's some of you listening to me tonight. Listen, you're relying on your church membership. And I'm here to tell you as lovingly as I can, church membership will not get you to heaven. You're relying on your family relationship. Your daddy was a preacher. Your granddad was a preacher. Your, your mama helped start a church. Listen, that will not get you to heaven. You're relying, you were baptized one time. You don't even remember trusting Christ, but your mama told you you were when you were a kid. Listen, your baptism will not get you to heaven. 
water baptism on. Hey, uh, your human goodness, you're relying on that. You say, well, I'm better than I give away my money. I do more good things than most people I know that go to church on a regular basis. Well, that's great. And I'm thankful that you do those things, but your human goodness, your morals will not get you to heaven. Listen to me clearly. Like Paul, you need to realize that these things won't do it. Hey, come to the end of yourself. Hey, call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Have his righteousness applied to you instead of your own. And you can have the promise of eternal life. You can know then that heaven's your home. Can I tell you something? All those good things, they're good things. I'm not telling you not doing them. I'm just telling you, you can't rely on them. Your righteousness does not come from those things. It only comes from Christ. A good thing become, can be a bad thing if it keeps you from the best thing. And I tell you tonight, the best thing is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A man's religion can condemn him to hell if it's a substitute for a relationship with Christ. Paul says all those things that he was, hey, listen, they were but dung. Animal excrement compared to the excellency of a knowledge, a personal experience and acquaintance with Jesus Christ. By the way, that's not just a head knowledge. That is a heart knowledge. That's not just knowing some facts. That's knowing the person of Jesus Christ. And he summarizes it all this way in verse number nine by saying, true righteousness only comes through faith in Christ and is only of God. Righteousness is only from Christ. Can I ask your friends, as I started tonight, what are you relying on? If it's anything but the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to realize what Paul's teaching us tonight. It won't do it. It won't do it. You got to trust in Christ and Christ alone. Hey, you got to trust in his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's the gospel message. That's the message you got to believe to be saved. That's the message Jesus was talking about in Mark 1 15 when he said, repent ye and believe the gospel. Hey, repent, change your mind, believe, put your full weight, trust, confidence in the gospel message. You said, how do I know what the gospel message is? Well, Paul told us. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Verse 2, he said, By which you're saved. In verse 3 and 4, he told us exactly what it was, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And here's what he's saying. He said, Quit trusting your own righteousness. Quit trusting your own good works. Quit trusting in your religious work. Quit trusting your church membership. Quit trusting in your water baptism. Quit trusting in mama and daddy and your relationship. Quit trusting in anything but Jesus Christ. Nothing but believing and trusting in his death, his burial, his resurrection as the payment for your sins and the receipt then of his righteousness unto your life. Plus nothing or minus nothing. Nothing but that will save you because true righteousness only comes from Christ. If you're listening tonight and you've never trusted Christ, can I encourage you right now, if you understand you're a sinner, and you believe that Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again, and you're tired of trying to work your way there, and you just want to, by faith, trust in Jesus Christ. My Bible still says, hey, we are saved by faith or by grace through faith. It's the gift of God, not a works lest any man should boast. Why don't you trust in him tonight? You say, how? Preacher, can I tell you, Romans 10, 9 still says, that if thou, that you, shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, that's, that's, that means agree with God that he's Lord, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. There's your gospel message. Believe in at the heart level, not the head level, but the heart level. Here's the, here's the 
Here's the promise, thou shalt be saved. Call upon his name tonight. So Lord, be merciful me, a sinner. I believe you died for me. I believe you're buried. I believe you rose again. I turn and put my trust in you right now and you alone. Not my righteousness, but thank you by faith. I receive your righteousness because true righteousness and true salvation only comes through Christ. God bless you. I pray you have a great night.